Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. It's a beautiful thing to be able to celebrate the Lord for all God has done, all God is doing. I want to challenge you and those watching online that as we celebrate this year, it wouldn't be all about busyness and all about stuff, but we would keep our eyes centered on Jesus Christ. Because when you don't get your eyes centered there, then anything else can come in and it can just ruin a season or ruin a lot of stuff. So keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. God is so good and I am so grateful for all that God has done. And so today we're going to do things a little different. We're going to start open with the Word of God and we're going to then close as we worship and just love on Jesus Christ. So let's start off this uh, Christmas series, and with a loud voice, why don't you say, Merry Christmas. Christmas. You see, there is a true hope when it comes to the story of Christmas, and if we ever needed H-O-P-E, it's today. I mean, when we think about this beautiful aspect of joy, I want to take you on a journey for the next four sessions, maybe five, looking at the aspect of angels that played a part in telling the greatest story ever told. The interaction where divine interacted with humanity so that great things would take place in the heavenly realm. You know, sometimes we don't really recognize all God has done when we look at everything he's done for us, and especially what heaven's been doing in the process. Do you know right now, heaven is moving and doing all type of things, and heaven is never caught off surprise. Someone say amen. Amen. Heaven is never caught off surprise. There's never a day where they go, oh, didn't see that coming. Because God knows, and God knows all what needs to to be done and how to do it. So when it comes to hope, we uh, made the slogan in the church here, Hope is where it, where it begins, a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it really, it's all through the scriptures. Hope, hope, hope from Old Testament to New Testament. Most people think about hope as I wish. Oh, I wish I passed the test. Did you study? No. <laughs> you better hope a little bit more. A lot of times we, pay, we say hope, hope. But see, a hope in Jesus is not this I wish list. But understand, and here's the key, your hope really is determined by the, de- the level of your understanding of the character of God. If you have an understanding of what God has done and the character of God, that's when you can put your trust in someone you know who's faithful, someone you know who's going to be there. Now, just think for a moment. Think of a moment where you had to put your total trust on God's character and you got hope. Can you think of a moment? Hope came in when you knew who was putting, you were putting your hope into. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the angelic events that have taken place. And today's title is Words of Hope, Heart of Unbelief. And the title of this is God's Promise Kept. Because when God gives you a promise, he's going to keep it. And God gives you a promise, 
He's going to keep it. Now you say, but, but you don't see what I'm going through. Listen, it's not what you're going through right now because that's just your season. Everybody goes through seasons of life. Good, bad, indifferent, they're a season. The question is, what do we learn in the season? How do we draw closer to God in the season? And so there was a lot of aspects that took place before Jesus came to earth. Now, first of all, I'm going to do two things this week and next week. We're going to look at how, many, um, how much in the Old Testament angels were participating in the work of God. And you have to remember something, saints. Angels are still working for the work of God. Someone say amen. amen. Now, we, when you look at this, these are messengers of heaven under a divine direction and command to do a particular work. And I'll tell you something. We need to always have our hearts in tune to what God's trying to do. Someone say big picture. Sometimes we get so stuck on a piece of the puzzle that we can't see God's big picture. And God always wants to do a big picture. So let me just real quickly, let me go through a couple things uh, in the Old Testament. This is just a few things where angels showed up because God had a bigger picture in mind. If we took right at creation, right at creation, we don't see this in creation. But when God was talking to Job... And if you haven't read Job in a long time, go ahead and read that. That's just a powerful book. I, I just got blessed the last time that I read that. And, and just God gave such fresh insights of that book. But in Job 38, 4 and 7, it says this. When God was talking to Job, because he thought, kind of knew it all a little bit. And God said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. When... The morning stars sang, and all the sons of God shouted with joy. It gives an indication that all heaven was shouting and, and glorifying God of the creation of all what we know today, of all that for us mankind. So we know that everything God does, the angels are involved in it because God created them for a particular work. In Hagar, that was the handmaid of Abraham. Well, Sarah was being really tough with her, and he kicked her out because it was not going to have any share with Isaac. And yet an angel of the Lord, we see in Genesis 16, 7, comes to her, gives her what she needs to help her. Once again, God intervenes because God has a bigger picture. Abraham in 18, 2, he's three angels come up to him. And there's a whole story, and this is where he's going to now have a son, and this is where Sarah laughs. But three angels, dressed like men, came unto him and perfect, prophetically told Abraham he was going to have a child. This is God working in ways that are beyond our understanding. How about in Genesis 19.6, the rescue of Lot? Two angels rescue Lot from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jacob. Jacob had numerous experiences with the angels. You see it in Genesis 20. 8:12. He saw a ladder going up to heaven and coming down to earth, and the angels are going up and down in a dream. Again, on a journey in Genesis 31, he had another dream in Genesis 32 while he was traveling. Can someone say encounter? You'll never experience an encounter if you're never expecting God to do some great work anticipation of hoping God to speak in many different ways, but for God to speak, he is a living God. He wants to talk with you. Someone say amen. 
He wants to walk with you. Someone say amen. But in order for those two things to take place, you have to do your part. Someone say my part. Because if you do your best, God will do the rest. So we look at the Passover angel in Exodus 12, where every firstborn and every first cattle of animal, they all died when the death angel came as promised. You look at the warning to Balaam. Here's this angel ready to do in the prophet Balaam because of his disobedience. But the donkey saw the angel with a sword ready to take his life. And the donkey kept on doing all these things. You remember the story? And then the donkey talked. And you know, what's amazing is Balaam said, he didn't do this. (gasps) He just started talking to the donkey. I don't know if my dog just started talking one day. I'm going to have to sit down. (laughs) Then I call somebody up. Hey. (laughs) So you have... um, uh, the rebuke of Israel. You see, once again, an angel of the Lord rebuked Israel for turning away from God's covenant and turned to idolatry in Judges 2. In Judges 5, 23, during the time of Judges, an angel cursed those who did not help against the enemies of the Lord. In, in 2 Samuel 24, because of the rebellious house of Israel and David's numbering of the army, an angel came down and struck many dead. I, I, I want to say something that's pretty bold right now. And you may not agree, but this is one of my thoughts. You can't have an epidemic taking place in a world that God don't know about. And judgment comes in all different forms. Because when judgment comes, it is to speak to our hearts that our hearts would draw back to God. In the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, we are to turn to God. But, but listen, have we turned to God? Has God even come into the picture? Let me tell you something. Things will continue until our hearts come to God. There's no difference between us and Israel. And Israel, God worked with them over and over again. But their hearts, hearts stood hard. And it gets, and then adversity increases. Not out of judgment. People think it's judgment. It's not just judgment. It's also love. Because love, in the midst of pain, draws back. You see, Elijah, strengthened by an angel. I don't don't know about this, but um, Grubhub? Well, the angels in heaven come up with Grubhub a long time ago because they came and brought food and water to Elijah when he needed it. Hey, you need something? They even put a fire for him and everything. Grubhub, don't do a fire for you. But they're strengthened by an angel. You see all of these. This is the one I really think is powerful. The Assyrian army was about to come and conquer Israel. And Assyrian king, uh, Shennacherib, was like really cocky. And, and, and so uh, one night, an angel went out and killed 185,000 of the Assyrian army. In one night, 185,000. It says the angel of the Lord fought for Israel and killed 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army. Let me tell you something. When God has a plan, he puts everything into action. And that might be you, because God may have want you in part of that plan. In Daniel chapter 6, 22, remember Daniel? And yet the scripture says this, an angel closed the mouth of the lion and preserved my life, O king. I want you to understand there's interruptions, divine interruptions that happens in our lives. And we have to be able to have ears and eyes to see what God's trying to do in our life. It's not, we shouldn't be surprised. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter, we just got through Peter. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy. In his great mercy. And I love that, great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope. Someone say living hope. Mm, mm, mm. Makes my liver quiver. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's one that we asked you to memorize for the year here in Romans 15, 13. May the hope of God fill you, fill you. This is, this is the God of hope wants to fill you with all joy, with all peace. As you, as you what? Rust in him? Trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to trust. God wants you to walk. So we're going to take a journey about hope. But I want you to understand, before you understand the journey about hope, sometimes we become hopeless. Sometimes hope can be taken away from us or kind of sucked out of our lives because of a problem, uh, because of a situation, because of a hardship, uh, because of a tragedy. And sometimes these things rock our life. And it seems for the moment, for the season, it seems like a little bit of hope is gone. But how many know the God of hope? How many know the living hope? How many know when you keep your eyes, keep your eyes on the one who has all things in his hands? I read the story. It comes from a at one time famous swimmer in 1952. Her name was Florence Chadwick. She was a long-distance swimmer. She has swung the channel back and forth, broke records and stuff. And one day she was going to swim 31 miles. 31 miles, swim it. I don't know if any of us could swim a mile. I'm not sure. But 31 miles and the, everything was going well, but fog came in. And when fog came in, she no longer saw her destination. She couldn't even see her safety boats around her. And it wasn't because of fatigue and it wasn't because uh, she just lost her edge. She just gave up in the process. And she asked to be taken out of the water. They took her out of the water, sat her down, and she asked, how far am I from my destination? And they said, you swam 30 miles. You have one mile to go. After she thought about it, she said, what happened? And she, the only thing she came up with, I lost the hope when I couldn't see my destination. I lost the hope when I took my eyes off of where I was going. And I think that happens to all of us at times and in seasons. It's not uncommon. And I think the story of hope about the Christmas hope is really what it's all about. Because sometimes the pain of reality can sometimes take away that hope sometimes. You go to the doctor and the doctor gives you bad news. Uh, you, you know, you go to the mechanic and the mechanic gives you bad news. And then all hope, like, how am I going to pay for this? Or how am I going to do this? Or whatever the problem may be, there are things in life that take your hope from you. As you know, I like acronyms. I really do. And we had a whole bunch of acronyms um, when we did a hope series uh, in the middle of last, uh, this year. So our Hope, Logan, or slogan, was holding unto promises every day. Hope, holding unto promises every day. Someone say amen. How many of you still remember that? How many don't even remember it all? I see one hand, two hands, three hands. Oh, yeah. Holding unto promises every day. Well, I want to give you another one. Because hope 
helps open people's eyes. Hope helps open people's eyes. And that's what Jesus wants to do as he gives hope. He wants to open people's eyes to what they don't see, what they don't understand. Because honestly, we live in a world today that perspective and feelings and what I think is more important than what God says. For example, sometimes you would say to yourself, and we'll talk a little bit about this, that you may not be good enough. Or, you know, whatever it is. And the reality is you're not thinking what God thinks about you. Look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous this morning. (laughs) So let's go into our text today. And we're going to talk about this moment. Words of hope and a heart of unbelief. We're going to look at it from an angel's perspective. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 25. But let's just take these first seven verses from verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also the descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulation blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. You know, this is a passage that a lot of people struggle with. And they have questions. And they have questions. And questions are not bad. Someone just say questions are good. God is not afraid of your questions. And I, I often tell people, ask the questions to God and listen to his response. We have Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah means God remembers. God, that's his name. God remembers. And Elizabeth. Her name means his oath. And together, it means God remembers his oath. I want you to understand that Elizabeth came from the genealogy of Abijah. And Abijah was actually one of the priests, groups of priests that sacrificed for Solomon. And so both of these individuals had deep religious legacy. I want to say not religious, but relational legacy. They had come from a, a, a legacy, both of them, and they were, the scripture says, they were blameless. Uh, anybody in this room blameless? You see, what blameless is, is not one without fault. Blameless is one whose heart is truly unto God. You know, no one's totally innocent, but the heart for God. Blameless meaning they are one who truly wants to serve God. They're all in. And If we just take a moment, just take a moment and to look at the character of the story before we look at the angel's words. They were upright in the sight of God. They observed all the commandments of the Lord. They were blameless without fault. They had a heart of integrity. Someone say heart of integrity. See, God, I I always say this, but God's always looking at the heart. He's not looking on the outside. God sees what's happened on the inside. Sometimes I will run across some people um, who are not very nice to Christianity. And when I run across these people, I, I, I'm fine with them. I just, I'm really fine with them. But sometimes, sometimes I'll say, you know, your mouth is saying this, but your heart is saying something different. You need to listen to the heart. And sometimes people don't listen to the heart because the mind gets in the way. I, I, I want you to understand something 
that these individuals were, they had a heart of integrity. And then here it is, here it is. Here you have these two people just doing it, like living it. But there's one thing they wanted. They wanted children. And they prayed for children and went for weeks, went for months, went from years and years. And nothing happened. Here was Elizabeth, still barren, had no children. And now, and now, she's past her age. Now, there are some people who get really angry at God. You know, God, I've served you all my days. I asked for one thing, one thing. And they don't do it. But we don't understand what God is doing. We see but through a keyhole. And yet we think we understand the whole door being open. God's always working a plan even when we don't understand. God's always doing a work because that's what God does, but to a bigger picture. I, I, I want you to see something here because here is the struggle, but yet, yet, they weren't like some that just turned their back on God because they, God didn't do what they wanted God to do when they wanted to do it. And they kept on serving God. Kept on serving God. It's like, though he slay me, I still will trust you, God. And this is what it's really about. Is I met a lot of missionaries and a lot of people from a different countries who are under great persecution. And it's amazing that they give their life for the gospel. They're okay with it. Totally okay with it. But they'll say, but my last dying words is going to be praising God and sharing Jesus with somebody. I was just listening to a, to a story the other day. There was a young man who loves the Lord, and he was in a bad neighborhood and got shot. He was dying, called up 911, and he was asking for help, but he didn't ask for help. He started the witness to the 911 operator and said, I'm about to die. But I know my Jesus. Before I die, I need to know, if you died, are you ready to see Jesus? And on his last breath, his last dying breath, he spent not asking for help, but mainly trying to get this person to understand, do not die without Jesus. Because I'm going home. I'm going to my God who has promised me that he never leave me nor forsake me. He has a greater plan. And he shared Jesus with the 911. I think of that. Think about it. You know that's important to you when you're thinking more about eternity than the physical. And I think that's an incredible, that's an, that's an odd story, but that's exactly what took place. And that just took place just recently. Let's look, let's go on and um, um, can you help me here? Um, let's go on to verse t- 8 and 10. Look what it says. It says, once then, when Zechariah, the vision was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the timing for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So, so he finally got picked. He finally got picked. And he ends up, he ends up, which is, to get picked was a big, big deal. But he got picked because God was working out something. There's a divine appointment. Trust me, God's big. 
God's big. Don't try to understand it. Just live faithful. Just keep your eyes on him. God's bigger than it all because he's hooking this up. Just like he got Mary and Joseph to go all to Bethlehem. He uprooted everybody's schedule just to get Mary and Joseph to the place so Jesus could be born when G- where Jesus needed to be born. God is in control. Look at your neighbor and tell him God's in control. Look what this, look what happens now. So here he is, he's, he's there ministering, he's bringing incense before the Lord. And then in verse 11, the angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, I don't know, uh, when Jewish priests would go uh, before the incense and offer incense, they would pray. They would close their eyes and they would pray. Okay? And they would speak in Hebrew and they would pray. Could you imagine, when he opened his eyes, there was an angel there. Let's take it one step further. You're at your house, and you're praying. You have your eyes closed, and you're talking to God. And when you open it up, there's an angel there. How are you going to react? Huh? So let's recognize what Zechariah had to experience. I mean, here he is all by himself, because you walked in by yourself. And you go to offer incense. Their, their journey was about a two-week process as they served the Lord. And he opens his eyes and there is an angel right before his eyes. Now, David in Psalms 41.2 says, May my prayer be set before you as incense. And anytime in the scriptures you see incense, it is also alongside with prayer. Because prayer rises up. And incense was burnt when prayers on it rised up. John's vision of heaven in Revelation chapter 5 and also in chapter 8. John saw the elders around the throne. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Tell me, tell me don't, don't, don't tell me God don't answer prayers. God answers prayers. The problem is we just want to give up because it's tough. Trust me you got to stay and be a steady Eddie. Zechariah the priest was offering incense in the temple here in Luke 1.10. And what was happening outside of the temple while he was offering? They were worshiping. They were praying. Because prayer and incense rises up. And so while he's throwing up the incense, while the people are praying, the angel shows up. And if an angel shows up, there's a reason. A divine reason. And what was about to happen would change all humanity. That's why Christmas is worth celebrating. Let me, let me go off a little bit here on a little soapbox because we have many Christians today who believe we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Christmas is full of all these things that has nothing to do with Christ. Let me tell you something. That is true. You can pick, a, you can pick on a lot of stuff about Christmas that doesn't necessarily point to Christ. But can I tell you this? The celebration of Jesus Christ was a big deal for the angels. It was a big deal for Jesus to come. And God divinely, divinely interacted and fought so that the Messiah could come. And all heaven, all heaven rejoiced before it. And if heaven rejoiced for it, we should really get some spunk in our gumption and recognize that this is the day the Lord has made. He came to earth because he loved us. It's something to be celebrated. The light of the world has come into my heart that's something to celebrate that's something to say yes God thank you 
and yet you want to squabble over a light or a tree? Let me ask you something. Do you worship the tree? No, that's stupid. Good. I think it's stupid too. But they did worship trees in the time of Nehemiah. Let me tell you, you can tell I'm a little passionate about that one. <laughs> Let me tell you a song I really hate on Christmas song. I have a song that I hate. It's called this one. I know it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. It's just so, so nice. Oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm not going to go before. We're going to have a tree. One day we're going to have a tree lighting service. I, I do love tree lighting service and make it really big celebration. I love that thing. But one thing will never happen on my watch is sit around a Christmas tree and say, Oh, Christmas tree, like lovely are your branches and they're going to do something for me. That's ridiculous. But the message of Jesus coming that caused angels to proclaim good news, holy smoke, that's worthy of celebrating. By the way, there was holy smoke. So, in verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many rejoice because of his birth. Someone say good news. I want you to get this. This is, this is the part that we miss sometimes when we tell the story of Zechariah. Zechariah was a good, godly man. Zechariah was probably, in some sense, and I'm going to say this way better than me, he was a man who had a, such a great, I mean, he just seems, he was, his integrity was wonderful. But it shows all of us that all of us can miss it sometimes. Say amen. I don't care how long you've been in serving the Lord, but things can take place in life and we can miss what God's doing because we are human. And if we focus on the human part, we miss the divine part. And that's exactly what happened with Zechariah. He was so much about reality of what is, he couldn't see the God who makes all things possible. You know, it's sort of like getting a bad diagnosis from the doctor and the doctor giving you six months and that's all you focus on. Not thinking that there's God over here that's been in charge of all your days. And that your days are in his hands, period. I know that I'm a dead man walking many, many, many times. But God intervened and saved my life from all different types of tragedies. God must have a plan. That's all I can think of. Ultimately, I'm in his hands, period. So therefore, you walk boldly and strongly and know who your God is no matter what. And I mean that, no matter what. In verse 13, he says right away, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Now, if an angel says to you, don't be afraid, that's good news. If he says to you, you are in deep trouble, <laughs> you're in trouble. He says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. This is interesting. I want you to get this. Your prayers have heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give his name John. No doubt they had given up on this prayer. I mean, why would they pray this anymore? They're past age. He's past age. She's past age. That's not a prayer of the present. That's a prayer of the past. Can I just tell you, God remembers your heart, and God remembers your prayer. And God knows the heart in which you prayed. 
And you may think God forgotten, but God don't forget. He's not like us. He's not like human that we forget all type of things. Most likely, Zechariah had given up the whole idea about being a dad. But it, it, was the, it was a hope that was crushed over years of disappointment that why he probably just washed like it's not going to happen. And the problem is, with God, all things are possible. But if we just stick to that story, then that's the story we write. But Zechariah couldn't hear what the messenger was saying because his heart was closed. His heart was already turned to chapter. His heart, he had a period, not a comma. God want a comma, not a period. God is still working a work, and he's just disappointed. I mean, think about it. They were praying for weeks, praying for months, praying for years, and nothing was happening. We all get discouraged when we pray and nothing happens. We all get discouraged. like, God, what are you doing? But can I tell you something? Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to tell us something. Listen. God, just tell you now. He's about to tell you something. Listen. But the God of promise, the God of promise is a God who's over all things. The God of promise who will make a way where there seems to be no way. The God of promise makes all things possible because he's able and he can. The God of promise will bring hope into a hopeless situation because he can as you look unto him. And he's about to do that in Zechariah, but he cannot hear the words, the good news, because his heart is closed. One of the worst things in life is when a person closes their heart to God. And they close their heart to God for many reasons, sometimes hardship, pain, suffering, Anguish, disappointment, depression. There's a lot of reasons why people get mad at the Lord and they close their heart. And even though someone comes up to them and tells them words of hope, words that are truth, good news, they don't receive it. Because they've taken their chapter and then instead of opening it up to God to rewrite and extend the chapter, they put a period and say it's done. Done. And Zechariah, that's how he felt. It's done. And the angel is telling him, but watch what the angel does because no doubt, no doubt the angel knew where Zechariah was. I believe that with all my heart. And how do I, why do I say that? Just by what he tells him. Just by what he tells him. In verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. Let's continue. What else does he say about him? In verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord and the Spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and to the disobedience to the wisdom of righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God sent a divine angel with a purpose of answering an old prayer that even though Zechariah forgot and put a period on that chapter, God said, my son, my faithful son, my faithful daughter, you're just about to see what I can do. Because God can do all things, but you have to rise up your faith and trust God and don't rust in him. Someone say amen. God sent an angel named Gabriel with a mission, a message, a mission and a message from heaven to a faithful servant to give him good news. He says, your child, listen, you're not going to be an ordinary child, 
the best. The, the last is the best. You know how, you know, the, the old little thing, the, um, uh, the last should be first and the first should be last. I mean, when we have dessert, we have that at the end of a meal, right? How many like desserts? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Christmas time is coming. You better watch it. <laughs> but sometimes I used to have my dessert first. And I used to mess people out, especially in fancy restaurants. They just don't, it's protocol. You can't have that. I'm like, just give me my dessert. You know? And he says, and they'll laugh at my wife. Is he serious? Does he want his dessert first? Yes, yes, he wants his dessert first. And, and, and I don't do that anymore. But I used to have my dessert first because life is sweet. Have dessert first. But sometimes we don't think that God has the best at the end. But he does. God has the best Waiting at the end. The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the mind of man the things that God has for them, for those that love him. I mean, come on. We need to work hard here because one day God has his best waiting for you. He says, your son is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And you don't let him have any strong drink whatsoever. And from his very beginning, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, wouldn't that be great? Our kids come get filled with the Holy Spirit, and as they're born, they come out speaking in tongues. Huh? Wouldn't that be? Could you imagine the nurses and doctors? That would just mess them all up. <laughs> mm, if I was God, I probably would do something like this, just for fun. I just, oh, gee. Verse 16, many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord. And now this is a really important, look at 17. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He had this, this son of yours, Zechariah is going to be a special son. This son, even though you've waited and you think I wasn't doing anything, I've waited. I waited because you're so faithful. I've waited to give you a son that's going to be a son that's going to have such a great purpose. It's not only going to bring a joy to you and your wife. It's going to be in, bring a, a message and hope to this whole world. It's a, it's a son that fulfills all your dreams, Zechariah. I've really planned this for you. A gift. An incredible gift. Sometimes we can't see it. And we can't see it because our emotions get in the way. Our hardships, our past experiences get in the way. And when they get in the way, they affect the process. And then it says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of righteous. And what's that meaning? That His words that He speaks are going to touch fathers and fathers are going to train up their children. And then those who are lost are going to come to righteousness. He's going to be a, a man with a message and that's going to bring change. And He's going to then prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist was a very unique and strong servant of the Lord. And he gave it to a person who was praying and praying and praying. And then he gave up on the mission, gave up on the prayer. And the problem is we pray way too little. And this is where he gets into hot water. You, you ever been in a conversation with someone and everything's going real well until you say something you shouldn't have said? I should speak to the husbands <laughs> or to the wives. And you're having a conversation and you say something. And all of a sudden, it don't go well. Well, this is where it don't go well for Zechariah. Zechariah, verse 18 says, he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. This is where the conversation 
shifts. And this is where Gabriel gets a little tough. You know how they say um, tough love? Yeah, Gabriel has a little bit of tough love to him. And uh, this is where things change. You see, God shows up, but he doesn't receive it. Hope from God comes with a literal angel, come to give him a message, and he doesn't receive it. And all he can think, all he can think is, wait, this don't make sense. How can this, I need a sign. I, how can this be? This doesn't make sense to me. How many times do we act like a Zechariah? We look at our problems, we look at our situations, and we just see God can't work. How many times do we push God right out of the window just because a problem comes in the door? Now, I want you to think, listen, listen, listen. The reason why God gives us these things so that you and I can learn how do we respond? Because how you respond will determine what road you take. It happens here in the head, and it affects the heart, and then it affects the hands and the walk. What do you believe in? Because God is not some little fluffy, warm God in the sky. He's real. He wants to do something in you and through you. He's a great God, and he's on your side. But sometimes, sometimes we hear what God's words say, but we listen to our words greater. We know God's word says that, uh-huh, that's good for that person because it works for them, but it don't work for me. I don't know how many times I've heard that. That's just a lie from the devil. That person's blessed. That's why he does that. That girl's blessed. That's why she does that. But not me. Hogwash. That's just a lie from the devil. That same promise is for you too. You just got to believe God's word. Someone say Amen. How many times do we know what God's word tells us, and yet we look just in the opposite direction to what we think we know? We're so afraid to trust God. We're so afraid to rely on God. We always want to have an understanding. We always want to put it in check. And, you know, there's no walk by faith. No, 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 no. I have to understand it before I walk in it, God. You need to show me something first before I take a step. That's not how it works in Scripture. Look at every time God did something great with the people of God. They took a step. They believed God. They didn't have to figure it all out. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you really trust me? Yes. Then make a decision. Or like that skit a long time ago. The guy hanging from a rope from a mountain. And he's yelling for help. And he's swinging. God, are you out there? And God says, yes, I'm out here. How are you? I'm doing good. I just have a problem. I fell off the cliff. And all I had, I found this rope. I hung on this rope. Can you save me? Yes, I can save you. Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. What do you want me to do? Let go of the rope. Let go of the rope. Huh? Let go of the rope. Uh... I can't, but you said you trust me. I, I, I do. But I, I, God, I don't, I don't trust you that far. And that's what happens sometimes. We say we trust God when we have it, an understanding of things. Zechariah was so locked in what he thought he missed. He missed the good news of heaven. He missed what God was trying to do. God had a bigger picture, a bigger plan, but he couldn't see it because in between the two ears of what he thought or what she thought or how she perceives it prevents them from moving and they stay stuck in the mud. They don't move. God don't want that for us. God don't want us to be the old stuck in the mud. (laughs) So many times 
God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we, feel, we say, well, God, I don't feel you. So if I don't feel you, I guess you're not with me. God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But sometimes we say, you know, Lord, I'm not pretty. I'm not handsome. I'm not smart. I'm not gifted. I don't have all the goods, God. Not like such and such. But God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You either got to believe what God says or you're going to believe what you say. It's a choice. God says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. But we say, God, I can't come because I'm just not good enough. Isn't it amazing? Ephesians, God says, for grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own. Therefore, no one can boast. The reality is that, that Zechariah couldn't receive because he had shut down his heart, shut down his soul. And the soul is the intellect, the emotion. And one more, intellect, emotion, and knowledge makes up your soul. And every part of your soul is important. And when you shut it down, you can't receive God's greater plan. That's why you have to keep your heart tender. Look what happens. This is where he gets in trouble. The angel of the Lord answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. Think of this for a second. The angels has given him words of what his son's going to be, but he doesn't receive them. And he says, I am Gabriel. Tells him who he is. Tells him what he does. I stand in the presence of God, and I have come from God to you, a, a messenger to give you good news. And Gabriel's reaction to Zachariah's unbelief tells him he's going to be silent and un, un, unable to speak until this prophecy is fulfilled. Now think of this. Why did he do that? Why did the enemy, enemy why did um, the angel do that to him? Because you would do that to an enemy. Great, but no, he, this is no enemy. Zechariah is a godly, righteous man. But, but Gabriel got upset at his unbelief. You know, because you did not believe my words, my good news, I'm going to give you something to believe in right on the spot. You're not going to be able to speak. Now, do you believe that? <laughs> That's exactly That's my next one. He's right on target. There's a sign. You see, it's, it's interesting. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this. And, no, and I'll say it now. But most believe that he was not only can speak, but he couldn't hear as well. And we'll show you that. In a second. I want you to understand something. He gave him a sign when he could not speak, but he wouldn't want to, he had unbelief. So what he did, he gave him something to say, oh, you need a little sign for the time? I'll give you something. Since you don't want to believe the good news, you're not going to also have the opportunity to share this good news with anybody else until that day comes. You're not going to be able to speak no more. I don't know. I don't know about what his wife said about that. Maybe she had some really quiet time and it was really quiet in the household. Maybe she was rejoicing over that part. I don't know. Maybe some wives would like it. 
Maybe on the other side. I don't know. We're going to stay out of that one. Mm. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest things I think here is that God was trying to get him to believe what was about to happen in his life because the reaction stopped his disbelief, didn't it? Did he disbelieve anymore once he could not speak anymore? Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how we're, we're at one point and then something happens and it changes everything? He was no longer in unbelief when he lost his voice. Matter of fact, when he came out of that tabernacle, or that temple, he was definitely uh, really in a, in a condition because look what happens here. It says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed in so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion, the Lord has done this for me, she said. Now watch this words. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You see, this is so beautiful. Because in the ancient times, having a baby was a beautiful thing. Not in our culture today. It's so sad today that we commit 60, 62 million babies die because of a convenient called abortion. It's amazing how we can call that what we call it. God calls it murder. God is about life. He's a God of life. He's a living hope. But in this thing here, she says, God has taken away my disgrace among the people, meaning that even though she may have not been praying it, it was still in the heart. And God sees the heart. You know, sometimes we haven't been praying for the things that's really important to us, but that doesn't mean they're not important to us. But God still sees those things that are important to us. But can I just encourage you just to keep those things in prayer always, always. Don't get lax. Don't get passive about it. God's still working, and he's still on the throne, and all things are possible. Look at your neighbor and say, all things are possible. When he came out of the temple, they knew that he experienced something because of his, most likely his facial expressions. He couldn't talk. He was trying to communicate. And look at this part here. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Now, I want you to understand, that, real quick, verse 62. I want you to understand, they made signs to him. They're trying to, he can't hear, so they're making signs. So, so most people believe that he was actually mute. He could not hear nor speak. Why would you make signs? They could hear a voice to say, hey, and he could just go grab a tablet. But they're making signs to him to understand what they're asking. He asked for a writing tablet, which um, he probably went like this. <laughs> And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. 
immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were taking, talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonderful wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is on him. Isn't that powerful? That the God's hand upon an individual. You know, sometimes we, we look at this. Can I remind you how he died? Okay. Can I remind you that sometimes, sometimes we always think in our minds that if we have God's favor, everything's going to go great and nothing. Now, you know what? That can happen. You can sometimes go to a very old age and, and die peacefully. Absolutely. But that doesn't happen to everybody. We don't know why. But he was willing to speak to a king and say words to a king and not afraid of his life. Not afraid of losing his life. Why? 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 Because he was all in. He was all in. The question I want to ask you this morning, are you all in? Are you really all in? Are you in it to win it? Because that's what it's all about. They came on the day of circumcision and that's when they would give the name. And do you remember what the angel said? That... You won't be able to speak until this has been fulfilled. And as soon as he said, his name will be John. He became, he could speak. As soon as he wrote it down, his name is John. He then could speak just as God said. God's always working in your life. Look at your neighbor right now. Look at your neighbor right now and say, God is working in your life. It goes on. In the, in the rest of the portion here, and, and then Zechariah goes into a great prophetic um, words about what God has done and what his, his son will do. It's, it's just beautiful. But can we just really look at how a man missed it because his heart was closed? God sent an angel. I don't know much proof. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I recognize it, but if an angel showed up to me, especially in the holy place, while I was doing the act and praying and he showed up, I would believe it. But Zechariah was so close that it wouldn't happen. He couldn't believe it because, listen, listen, he couldn't get past his own thinking. That don't make sense. But was not God the same God that he knew that opened the Red Sea? Was not the God the same God he knew that provided water from a rock? Was it not the same God that provided manna, f- bread to fall from the sky that fed all of the people of Israel? Was it not the same God who did miraculous things throughout the scriptures? And yet here he stands ready to tell him he's going about to do something amazing. It shows you the power of unbelief. It shows you that when a person has unbelief, they shut down what God's trying to do. That's why it's always important to protect the heart because it's the heart of the matter and that's the matter of the heart. I don't know where you are today. Those watching online, I don't know where you are today, but I can tell you one thing, each one of you here and those watching online, Jesus Christ came to earth and we celebrate this Christmas season because he came in a miraculous way And he interacted with humanity so that the will of God was performed. He did all this, all this because he is crazy about you. 
Just say that. He's crazy about me. I didn't call you crazy. I said he's crazy about you. His love for you is deep. Beyond measure. And that's why he came. And if you're here today or watching online, if you've never experienced Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. God just wants a couple things from you. He just wants you to come to him and ask you to forgive you for your sins. And then, and then he has this gift of eternal life. And when you unwrap it daily, you'll see God doing some great things in you and around you because that's the God he is. He's a gift that keeps on giving. We have so much to be thankful for. And if you have never done it, just say, Jesus, forgive me right now. Just right where you're sitting, right where you are. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart right now. I surrender. I'm all in. Forgive me for my sins. I now accept Jesus Christ as my eternal gift. And I know he died on the cross and rose on the third day because of he loving me. Defeated death, sin in the grave. Father, I pray right now that you would touch each one. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're going to go into worship in a second. But I want to talk to you a little bit about unbelief. Be careful that unbelief doesn't play a big part in your life. God wants faith to arise. Faith to arise. And a couple of ways you can do that. We're starting to pray on Fridays, every Friday at 9.30 here. Had a beautiful prayer time last uh, Friday at 9.30 just for one hour. It was just great to be in the presence of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, if you want to see God do great works, take that time, spend it in prayer. And let's stop prayer off in your day and God will send you on a journey because great things. And also this Wednesday, we're having a small group and it's called uh, Sandwiches and Soup, Sandwiches and Sweaters with the Word of God. And we'll have some fun. We're going to make December growing in the Word of God and festive at the same time. And so we're going to judge you in, on your sweaters. They don't have to be ugly. They just have to be a Christmas sweater. Because uh, And if you win, um, the trip is Hawaii. <laughs> but those are two things. Let's just go before Father. Father, will you just move upon our hearts? And Lord, will you just be glorified? Now, Lord, we offer our hearts and our lives to you. We worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged and blessed by this week's message. If you would like to know more about Salem First Assembly, you may email us at salemonassembly at comcast.net. That's Salem, the number one, assembly at comcast.net. Check out our Facebook page at Salem First Assembly or go to our website at salemfirstag.org. We look forward in hearing from you. Join us again next week for another message from Pastor Brian D. Corkum.